This is a Brain Tools Tools episode, a 20-minute cutback version of our full podcast where you walk away with six practical brain tools you can use to hack your brain and level up today. If you want more of the neuroscience and research behind the tools, you can find the full version of this episode on Spotify, iTunes, and at the link below. But for now, it's time to get your six brain tools. All right, and now for everyone's favorite section, uh, the six brain tools for relationships and communication right now. And I've got some really nitty gritty little tips and tricks based on brain science. But Kieran, I know you've got some you've got some brain tools that are a little bit more high level, but incredibly useful right now. Ah. Oh. Sam, you're just too kind to me. I'm excited for this first one, to be honest, because I just yeah. did it uh, on the weekend, or I said yesterday, and it was very, very useful. And that's brain tool number one, do an annoyance audit. Okay. Well, that's an annoyance. I, well, see you, I, saw you, I saw you lean in. An annoyance audit. But I suppose the key thing in a, a harmonious relationship is to understand the importance of what you contribute to it. It's very easy to attribute when stuff goes wrong and externalize the blame as opposed to looking inside and saying, hey, what do I do that causes tension within this relationship? Because as we've discussed on many occasions, like we're not perfect. Humans are inherently flawed and we have yep. ticks, heuristics, biases and habits that we bring to every relationship. And so when a relationship is to thrive, not just survive. It is the compromise between those two things. And the quote that sets this up to really explain the annoyance audit is Marcus Aurelius, you know, Stoic philosophy. And he says, be tolerant with others and strict with yourself. And I think that whole notion of individual responsibility being a key driver of collective harmony Mm -hmm. is a really important vignette for when we get into the annoyance audit. So Samuel, can I tell you how this works? Yeah, please. Cause I think I need to do one. (laughs) <laughs> I did. I did mine. It was not, it was grim viewing. I'm going to be honest with you. And I did this oh, more yeah. in the context of the house man I'm living, who is very, very important to me, obviously not in a romantic relationship, but uh, an absolute no. legend. And what we did or what I did is sat down with pen and paper. And what basically uh, I did or what uh, the whole annoyance audit is, is to list all the things you do hypotheses that might frustrate your partner. And I think these are the things like we know what annoying ticks we have. Generally, we just don't like to look at them um, a lot of the time. And, if you, when you list it and you see it for what it is, it's about bringing conscious awareness to the role you play in when stuff goes wrong. So to give you some platform questions, Sam, it's like, what is some annoying things you do? What is your partner's reaction? What's your reaction yep. to your partner's reaction? And then very clearly, what can you do structurally to stop this thing from happening? Like, can I ask you off the top of your head, what's one thing you think you do that's annoying that might uh, annoy your partner that's in your control? Uh, where where do we start? Okay. <laughs> okay. <don't we? laughs> no, no. Here is my parchment list. I have one. I have one. So I wake up a lot earlier than my partner. I get up, you know, 6am, 7am most mornings because that's my how my body clock works. Shout out to episode one on sleep. Go check it out. Um, <laughs> and often I'll... I'll hit my partner up in the morning and be really excited to talk about you know, really intellectually complicated things. And <laughs> I so me, imagine this. <laughs> oh, right. And then she'll say to me, Sam, it's 8am. I just woke up. Can you please stop? And so fair enough. And it annoys her. And I, I'm so guilty of it. So there's one thing I do. Thank you for your candor and your honesty. But I think, as you said, like the specific examples of that and bring it to conscious awareness is important because 
the, the, the way this works is if you can understand the things you bring to it that might be annoying to your other partner and yeah. think about how you can mitigate those things, then in reality, it decreases the chances of having those silly, pointless fights when tensions are high and work's been difficult and so on. So for me, it was leaving books around the house. Like I'm the classic, I have about 55 books around the house that I just leave there and it's a little bit annoying. So bringing that to awareness, trying to stop doing that may lead to, yeah, a, a more harmonious uh, relationship looking inward as opposed to, to outward. But I know, Sam, uh, one thing that you looked at was it's all good and well to look at you know, the um, things that we do that's annoying, but you want to leverage at the end of the day, you're with someone that you love, someone that you care about. There's got to be some positives that we can leverage into why you're in this relationship in the first place. Uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I mean, it's a really salient point. They're doing an annoyance audit because it's so easy to get lost in our own behaviors. But what if, what if you want to cheer up your, your better half or your friends or your workmates? We're, we're losing a lot of that face-to-face communication and that, you know, the good morning you would usually have walking into the office where you see your friends and you see your workmates. So how can we replace that? Well, brain tool number two, shoot out some voice notes in the AM. Send out a voice note in the morning because voice conveys emotion much more than text. And we talk about context before and emotional context. And Kieran, I know I've sent you plenty of these before. Have you ever? <laughs> I have, I have. And how, and how do you usually feel after hearing one? actually genuinely sprightly. Like it's a very nice surprise. And I genuinely mean that. Yeah. It's, it is such a nice surprise. And here's the reason why it's emotional contagion. So when you, when we speak and when someone else hears you speak, there's this process of neural entrainment where their brain locks onto your sound waves and through this neural entrainment, through locking onto the way you sound and your tone and how you convey that message, their brain synchronizes with you. So when you send someone a message in the morning, a voice note that's super upbeat and super excited and super positive, they can't help but feel amazing. They just can't it. help it. And it's such a great way to brighten someone's day that you, you can't be with physically. So for me, with my girlfriend, we're currently apart physically and I, I can't just walk into you know, her, when, her room when she wakes up and say, hey, good morning, I love you. So instead, I'll just send her a little voice note in the morning and it's like almost like being there because I'm still conveying that emotion. So how can you use this? Set the tone, set the mood, amp up your energy to 10 and just send out, you know, four or five voice notes in the morning to people you care about because it'll make their day. And I've also found that it opens up this channel of communication between you and them that a single text message never does. Absolutely. I was, that, that point, that last point you said, I think is so important because it is, it's like that real romantic moment shows that we need to do grandiose things to make our significant other happy. But the reality is the small yeah. things, and you hear it all the time, small things count, but just hearing your voice when they've had a, a bad day can be the, the, the pick me up that they, they need to just give it a crack and start a conversation. Totally. It's so small. I've had so many friends after I send them reach out and they respond and just say, you know, that made my morning. I'm so glad I heard that. And to think that all you have to do is send someone a voice note to change their whole day, to change their brain. So small, but it, you definitely have to be mindful of like what kind of communication styles people like. Right. And I know you've got uh, some stuff on this, Kieran. I, I do. Uh, I'm going to say something here, which is brain tool number three, know your attachment style. Um, and so the way I'm going to get so mathematical, it's going to sound so odd, but so Sam, love is like a Venn diagram. 
<laughs> I just saw a bunch of like Poetry. PTSD that popped up from all the mathematics that we had to do when we were at school together. Not ideal. Oh, yeah, I really like that. Yeah, for, for, yeah, I love the crossover. It is. Love is like a Venn diagram where you've got, yeah. you know, circle A, circle B, and then there's an intersection. And I think the thing to be mindful of in any um, relationship is people have different very uh, varying attachment styles too much overlap and it becomes one life as opposed to two independent lives but not enough overlap and they become completely mutually exclusive and mm. the variable that contributes to that is how people actually go about their attachment and their security and there were two uh, psychologists by the names of Cindy Hazan and Philip Shaver um, from the University of Denver and they created a questionnaire um, that asked readers to identify three statements of which one actually associated more about how they approach love. And this was based on John Balby's um, in the, the inventor of attachment theory in the fifties and sixties. So Sam, I'm just going to give you uh, one of the statements. I don't want to take too much time here, but basically one of the statements, statement A is the following. Yep. I find it relatively easy to get close to others and I'm comfortable depending on them and having them depend on me. I don't worry about being abandoned or about someone getting too close to me. Now, what that statement, if you had answered, yes, that resonates with me, is that you are in a secure pattern of attachment whereby love and trust mm. come easily. But there are two other forms called the anxious attachment and the avoidant attachment that leads people astray. And so I just want to give you the, the last one here just to give a little bit of color, which is option C, I'm somewhat uncomfortable being close to others. I find it difficult to trust them completely, difficult to allow myself to depend on them, and I'm nervous to anyone when I get close to now, the reason I wanted to give those as color is because if you can understand you yourself, again, looking inward, what your attachment style is, you can understand how your anger and your fears of uh, abandonment, avoidance, and so on actually manifest themselves, and then be able to actually articulate that very clearly to your partner. And understanding the perspectives you're coming from may lead to better communication, more effective communication, mm -hmm. um, and just a, a better relationship um, altogether, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And I've never really thought about it that way. So that's a really nice little reframe is to think about how you attach to other people. Yeah, spot on. And I think this is, and I can, I'm going to be fully frank with you, C sums me up to a nutshell. Like yeah. being the avoidant pattern of attachment when things, you know, danger of intimacy and so on, I just end up doing my own thing, especially when it gets quite scary to be open and vulnerable with you. And so having those really open conversations with people, even my friends and saying, hey, this is how I am. If I'm doing it, please help me get out of this uh, funk by doing X, Y um, means that, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, the collective is a little bit better. I love it. It's like almost giving the other side a bit of a map for how to in interact with you and engage with you. Spot on. And that's why I think as we wrap up Brain Tool 3, um, knowing your attachment, we're going to get into the next three right after this break. Oh, yeah. And then we get to the last section of Brain Tools, the last three Brain Tools. We've got some great ones coming up for you. And the first one, we kind of alluded to a little bit early kieran a little bit earlier do you, do you <laughs> remember my call out a little bit earlier yeah maybe possibly maybe. don't know i, I don't know I've, have I, I've been paying attention to this entire conversation to be honest with you <laughs> kieran's completely zoomed out he's zoomed out uh, i see right. what you oh. did there aren't you clever <laughs> coming in <Yeah>. hot <laughs> <laughs> That is the perfect setup. You've just lobbed it up to me for brain tool number four. Forget the FaceTime. What, what is this brain tool about? Just swap all your video calls for audio only chats. That's all. That's it. Mm. That's the whole brain tool. 
And how interesting. Why might why might you want to do this? Well, there's some research out there that shows we're more empathetic as humans when we swap video calls for audio only. So that is so interesting. Crazy. I did not know this. I did not know this until I found some research done at Harvard. Um, it was by a professor, Michael Kraus, Kraus, who found that voice only communication enhances empathetic accuracy because when we listen to just voice, our attention for the subtleties in vocal tone increases. So we simply focus more on the nuances and the way we hear the other person expressing themselves. And also more importantly, when you don't have the video cue in front of you, mm. those visual cues, you stop worrying about how you look. You stop worrying about trying to perceive what the other person is doing with their face or that distraction in the background where your coworkers cats walking across the background. You listen, <laughs> you just mm. listen. So to, to wrap this one up, it's a, a really short one, but for your next FaceTime session or your next video call with, your, your people in your life that you love with your friends, your partner, with your nan, just swap it, swap that FaceTime for an audio call because there's a chance you'll be more empathetic. That's super. Oh, I really like that one because well, I was looking away just for a little bit, but the reason was because there was a light bulb that went off in my head, which is if you have voice only, you're removing all the clutter, the distraction, you're increasing your focus oh, and yeah. attention. So therefore you're more likely to actually be present in the conversation that you're having when you remove all those cues that sometimes get in the way, you know, when you see someone like flinch their head slightly and all you're thinking yep. about is that flinch as opposed to what's coming out of their mouth and the contents totally. of what they're saying. So it actually makes a lot of sense into it. Like when you put it together. Totally. It's all about that distraction and that, that visual distraction and visual noise for lack of a better word. Um, and it's, it's really, we're going to talk a little bit about attention next week in the podcast coming up, but it's, it's really just about, allowing yourself to hone in on the other person. Um, and I know there are some other ways to do this too, to really hone in on your relationship with the other person, with your partner, with my girlfriend, for example, and to figure out, you know, what is working and what isn't working. And there's actually some really cool brain tools you could use for that. What a hand pass. I'm catching it. Brain tool number five. I'm actually really excited about this one. Um, and it's brain tool number five, which is called the monthly review. Sounds daunting, but Ooh, it does. it's an interesting one. Sounds like a performance so, uh, review. Is this HR? <laughs> oh, jeepers. I think everyone's going to think like, Kieran, you're really bringing your business acumen here to yeah, a relationship. Yeah. Let's just get really black and white. No emotion. Audit, audits, <laughs> review. Uh, I, I actually didn't notice this, but this it does, it does look a bit weird. It's like, who is this person talking about? Oh yeah, let's just do an audit because that's going to be serious. Wait, let's do a review. Oh, uh, okay, but I'm going to explain this one and hopefully it makes sense. But right. earlier, Sam, you, we spoke about the romantic movement and how we can get very caught up in the idea of the one and everything. And there's nothing wrong with romance. Romance is something to be cherished. It is an amazing feeling. But as we get into that more, I suppose, com uh, so compassionate love, your, your relationship is going to become a partnership. There might be kids involved and so on and so forth. And the key thing that we are saying here is working on your relationship is just as important as in the relationship and being preventative and not reactive becomes really important. So what the monthly review is, is basically penciling into your calendar every single month or every two months with your partner and having an informal but structured conversation with them about how your relationship's actually going. These are the conversations that people sometimes hold onto. There might be something wrong. There might be something, an issue, and that normally turns into passive aggressiveness. And what we want to do is structure shapes behavior, not the other way around and 
basically having a conversation with your partner. So for example, there's five questions I've got here or six questions, Sam, that um, people can use to have this conversation. And it's not designed to be a, a, a very, hey, let's go through a checklist. It's just platform questions to start a conversation. So one is, how would you rate our relationship out of 10 this month? As an example, why is it a 10? Um, what were some highlights from the month from what we did? What were some low lights? Um, how is our sex life going as a very clear example? And people are afraid to have this conversation because they're worried about hurting the other person. But in the reality is you probably end up hurting yourself and the person more by not having these conversations. Like you never regret having a hard conversation. Like you never regret going to the gym, but once you go there and you do it and you realize how much of an emotional burden was on you in that time, it becomes really, really clear. And it's not just as my final one, it's not just this, you know, flimsy, let's just talk about stuff. A question that becomes really crucial to it is what's one thing you would like me and us to work on for the next month. So it could be Sam, as you said, um, for your one, not bring up deep and meaningful intellectual conversations at eight AM in the morning and holstering them for three PM, possibly. Yep. Uh, for me, not leaving books around, <laughs> leaving books around. But while this Man. might seem really formulaic, um, it's actually a really important structure that can help facilitate better communication um, with you and your partner. What do you think? I t- by the way, I t- out of interest, I was just thinking. That totally makes sense to me because having that structure in place, having that kind of template or process for, for lack of a better word, takes a lot of the pressure off because I think what people find really difficult about those conversations is they don't know what they're meant to talk to talk about. They don't know how to talk about it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that, the, the way that you go into the conversation um, and how you conduct it obviously becomes really important. And I know your last brain tool works very nicely uh, to support, you know, the approach one should take when entering such conversations. Absolutely. And even extending past these kind of conversations, but just any conversations right now. And my last brain tool, brain tool number six for today is ask yourself this question before you respond or before you talk. And there's a theory of mind question and theory of mind is just our ability to mentalize and uh, basically guess what someone else is thinking, how they're feeling. And this question is, what has happened in this person's day before they sent this message? What has happened in this person's day before they started communicating with me? The reason why this question is so effective, uh, according to research and various people in the fields, is because it forces you to start thinking about all the events that led up to that piece of communication. So all the events that led up to that text that you thought was furious. And then as you work backwards, you go, Oh, well, hang on this person, my partner, she just had a really stressful day at work because she told me at 2 PM that, uh, you know, her manager gave her all this work. And so it makes communicating back so much easier because it allows you to be empathetic. Gotcha. I really like it. So it's like almost that the art of taking a pause in a way. It, it totally is. And it's, I think of any time I've been alive in my short 26 years on this beautiful planet we call Earth, this is the most important time to practice this. And here's the reason why. We're all currently under stress with the uncertainty of COVID. Uh, and this totally alters our behavior. And the problem is there's this thing called fundamental attribution error. And it means we underemphasize the situation and context that lead to people's action to lead that leads to what they say. And we overemphasize their attitudes and personalities being responsible for the behavior. So what that means in the terms of COVID right now is we say it's a person's personality or a, a fault of theirs, which is contributing to the way they're communicating with us. That angry message was their fault for being an angry person not they had a really rough day 
And that's where that message comes from. And because we don't have that face-to-face communication right now, we're missing all the chances to pick up on these cues. Maybe their shoulders are down. Maybe they've got a scowl on their face. And so it's so much easier to misinterpret what they're saying. So basically to use this brain tool, all you have to do is before you respond to any message, pause, as Kieran said, wait five to 10 minutes, then ask yourself this question. What happened in their day before this message? When you can answer this question, then you can respond. But just think, sit and think about it first. And it makes so much sense though as well, because we talk about in the, the interaction between the amygdala and our prefrontal cortex, amygdala mm-hmm. being, you know, your, your threat, you know, sensing system, your alarm system. But the reality is taking that pause allows the prefrontal cortex to come more into play once you've had that time to process and actually evaluate. And I think I'm reminded of a, a quote and I'm paraphrasing here by our favorite uh, human, Naval Ravikant, when he says, Definitely. the ability, the ability not to get angry during conflict is a superpower. And I totally, totally agree with him on that one. No matter what facet in your life, you will probably regret it. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's the hardest thing to do because in the moment when your amygdala is hyperactive and your entire brain is in, you know, a panic mode, all you want to do is react, defend yourself. But, you know, taking that time, like, like Naval said, and being able to react with empathy rather than anger is an amazing skill and a superpower, so to speak. So wrapping it up for this week, those are our uh, six brain tools. Kieran, what were your brain tools for this week? My brain tools were do an annoyance audit. Actually look inward for all the things you do as opposed to what your partner does. Number three, yep. brain tool three, know your attachment style. Actually understand how people uh, come into a relationship in terms of their security and modulate your communication accordingly. And brain tool number five, the monthly review where Kieran got very businessy, but having structured conversations with your partner that are penciled into your calendar with a glass of wine to uh, solve problems before they actually pop up. And your three, Samuel. Uh, and don't tell HR about that last one. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> uh, so brain tool number two was send a voice note in the morning to the people you care about, to the person you love as a way to brighten up their day. Brain tool number four, which was forget the FaceTime, trade your next video call for an audio only call to be more empathetic and to focus more on the conversation and be present. And brain tool number six is ask before you talk. Ask yourself what happened in this person's day that led up to this message because doing so forces you to be more empathetic, forces you to activate your theory of mind and therefore you'll be able to respond with more empathy in a time where we need empathy more than ever before, which takes us nicely into our 80-20 of this week. Kieran, what was your 80-20? What's the main takeaway for the listener? Main takeaway is empathy in motion is compassion and compassion is the key to a successful relationship, romantic or otherwise. And yourself? Mm. So deep. My, my biggest <laughs> takeaway, uh, and I am trying to practice this more myself, is humanize your communication with empathy. Reduce the channels that people are fatigued by. Share your emotions and, and try to put yourself in other people's shoes before you react because currently we're, the, the world is so uncertain. We're lacking so much context into how other people feel and how they're communicating that we need more empathy. I love it. Communication is key. Communication is key. And speaking of, speaking of communication, let's communicate a little bit about our episode next week, which is going to be on, this is a pop test. Attention. Attention. (laughs) Attention. Which will actually round out uh, this series on COVID specifically. So we're going to have some wrap ups there um, and we'll talk about why it's so hard to stay focused right now. But 
for the, this week, that is me done. That is us done, my friend. That is us. Uh, thanks done. so much. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to this tools cut of our Brain Tools podcast, where you got just the six practical brain tools you can use to hack your brain and level up today. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe on any podcast channel you're on, iTunes, podcast, Spotify, and more. And if you really, really want to help us out, please leave us a review. It helps us so much to reach more people just like you. And finally, if you want to go a little bit deeper and dig into the research, see some free classes and guides, come and join our free community at braintools.mn.co. Can't wait to see you next week.